Hello and welcome to Society Osmeogenics podcast. That one where Lily, hello, and me, Hannah, go A to X through grunge, indie, alt rock, pop, movie soundtracks, TV, and general generation Catalano goodness. Whoop whoop! We're back. We took a break. We're back in the hot seat. So excited to be wearing these headphones, talking into this microphone again, Hannah. And you know why, don't you? I do. The reality <laughs> is that I am very excited about this episode. And um, yeah, it's great to see you back. Yeah, it's good to be back in the land of the living and also in the land of people that are allowed to leave their home. Because um, COVID got me, folks. It found me in the end. And uh, it's been a pretty rubbish Christmas in terms of not feeling fantastic. But we pulled it together. It was fine the kids had fun we're okay everyone's fine now that's the main thing how was yours uh yeah yeah it was it, it, it was nice it was nice i'm glad that we got our christmas episode recorded just in time i know few we did plan to do this like so we could put something out on christmas eve so really really sorry about that um nothing we could do there so it just seemed like a natural life telling us to take that break <laughs> for one week <laughs> But yes, we are back. So R is for Reality Bites. And it's actually the second time we recorded this, haven't we? Because we had a bit of a mishap the first time around. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was uh, fairly disastrous. I think we did, it ended up being a double episode. And we also did Pulp Fiction at the same time. Lost them both. Absolutely crying about it. Um, So we're going to feel like major deja vu about this. But luckily, it's one of our mutually favourite films. So, you know. I've I don't mind. No idea what we talked about last time, though, because looking at my old notes, I actually had nothing about the music in it. So uh, my new notes are very, very different. So um, we shall see. Maybe it was me. Maybe I was supposed to do. I don't the pod think then. so. I think we were probably just hammered. If neither of us remember what we talked about, I, <laughs> I do remember talking about Pulp Fiction and about something some... else <laughs> <laughs> about gashes. Oh God! I think it's very funny. I don't know why. Oh, I think it had something to do with uh, maybe maybe it's better the, lost than a eh? with the Burger King Burger Royale or whatever it was. But I'd, anyway, <coughs> yes, that'll yeah. never come back. No, we'll never know. We'll never know. Right then, so shall we? Yeah, kick it off. Um, so I've got the playlist, um, and it's not um, in. I try to get it in some order, but not all of the songs are um, are available on Spotify. Uh, so it's vaguely chronological to begin with, and then I think it might go a bit weird, but let's just see how we go. But we are going to begin with... Locked Out. Not Locked Up, like you've been lately. <laughs> the irony. And it has been a crowded house, Hannah. Boom. <laughs> ah, very good. Uh, right, yeah. So um, this is quite early on, when, when Lainey is visiting Vicky at the Gap. Oh yeah, when it was the Gap. The and gap. it became Gap. My parents used to love to tell me that in the 90s. Mum, can we go to the Gap? Can we go to Gap? And my mum would be like, did you know it used to be The Gap? The and I'd be like, yes, because you tell me every single time we go here. Um, dare I just jump out right away, get ahead of all of this with the quote, let's locomote and late for a gene folding seminar. <laughs> oh, there is so many fantastic quotes. Oh, <laughs> I've been dining out on these since literally 1993. <laughs> But back to the song. I don't have too much on it, but 1993 from their fourth studio album, Together Alone. Yeah, I've got, well, Aussie rockers, Crowded House. Actually, half of them are New Zealanders. True. True that. And two Americans. I think the so lineup really. changed a little bit, hasn't it? Maybe I'm talking about back in the day. They were touring not that long ago. Yeah, that's right. Um, I do remember, and I don't know if it was when we 
lost the pod or when we talked about Granted House some other time. I think it was because I think uh, I pointed out that the brother joined, Neil's brother joined the band, but then he left again. And then I think the drummer committed suicide a few years ago. They've come up a few times. I think maybe in relation to Pearl Jam as well, because yeah. they've, yeah. Because you know yeah. how I love to kind of cropping up. Always identify the, the sort of sad stories behind it. Well, weird uh, story. My 12 year old is suddenly absolutely fascinated with Amy Winehouse. Well, Amy Winehouse is her jumping off point. She really likes her music, but she was fascinated that she was dead and everything. She's moved on to Janis Joplin <laughs> and Marilyn Monroe. So apparently, we're similarly afflicted. Interesting, <laughs> interested in people's uh, deaths. Good taste, though. Obviously. Good girl. I know, I am proud. Yeah, I'm still, still trying to get her into Pearl Jam, but that'll come. Slowly, slowly. Um, what I found interesting about this is that, I mean, it was pretty big in the UK. Um, it was their most successful single from that album and, and reached number 12, but really not very popular in, in Australia. Number 79 it got to, and that was it. Because they're Kiwis. It's like the Scottish England thing. <laughs> okay. Never the twain. Um, I thought it was more of a like little brother kind of yeah really yeah I don't know. think there was actual rivalry I'm not saying North South Korea type vibes <laughs> but I don't think it's super friendly well the new lineup includes Neil's two sons Liam and Elroy and they were supposed to tour the UK uh, but Covid thanks Covid and a harper I've got a harper in my head isn't there a harper Finn or something that has been touring with them lately I don't know, was that the brother? Oh no, it was the drummer Some, Paul Hester that committed oh, okay. suicide. I've got Liam and Elroy, but there could well be another one. Maybe maybe it's his brother's kid, I'm not really sure. Anyway, <laughs> natural conclusion. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so oh. I know you're, you're a big fan oh. of Squeeze, aren't you? You know I love this song. It made every single mixtape in the 90s for me. His voice is just... It's like squeezing honey in your ear. <laughs> um, and... We've probably told this stupid story, but it so happens that it includes you two. So, my... <laughs> my you two, the band? Or no. me, as in me as you well? You as well. Yes, yes, okay, you have to tell the story, but you can tell so, again. <laughs> that my husband, uh, you know when you're in the car with people, you know how there's been a very funny advert going around and it's been on the radio and on the telly where it's like, um, you know, please help people not get presents that they don't really want this Christmas, you know, by allowing them to... Yeah. have what they really want which is like earphones or something because you know and they kind of make it as like a fake kind of case study thing where they're like poor Jean once mentioned she thought sheep were cute and ever since she's been getting sheep everything <laughs> for every birthday and every Christmas yeah. and da 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 well basically that happened to me we were in the car I guess this song came on I happened to mention uh, that he also, he was the singer for Michael Mechanics before I knew it, my birthday gift, I think, was two tickets to see Mike and the Mechanics. And I was like, you do realise he's not in Mike and the Mechanics anymore? <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go. Uh, I'm really sorry, I don't want to sound like a complete ungrateful cow. So uh, I desperately tried Which to find a home for the two tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I found out that um, that other guy, the cuddly toy, Roachford, is now the singer. Really? I found, yeah. Which I actually, I like Roachford back in the 90s. Cuddly toy, remember that? Anyway, so um, I was like, who the hell is going to want to have these two Mike and Mechanics tickets? <laughs> and Hannah? <laughs> I didn't want them. But you found me. <laughs> I did. A taker. 
fun as mom and dad went. <laughs> so, oh my God. So we had a good laugh about that. Which reminds me, guess who's just bought tickets to see Status Quo and oh Shaking Stevens? <laughs> Dear Lord. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's our mom. credibility. If we had a scrap of it, it's gone now. <laughs> also likes Jake and Stevens says, quote, thought Jake and Stevens was dead, but... Well, don't forget there's a part two to this story. <laughs> so having offloaded oh, yeah. these Mike and the Mechanics tickets onto Hannah's parents, thank you very much. That's really great. Because it did take, take the sting out of it for my husband. who was like, wow, I can't believe you really don't want this gift. So next thing I know, a few months later, he goes, guess what? I've got a surprise. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I lived and learned at this point. He goes, Paul Carrick, two tickets. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. So um, Hannah's parents weren't interested. I think interested. that's so sweet. I then he, and my husband was like, oh, I'm not going with you. You can take your dad. And I mentioned it to my dad. And he was like, yeah, great, except I'm not going to be here that weekend. And I was like, oh, shit. So then my husband had to come with me and we did go and we were the only people, it was the best gig because there was no one at the bar because everyone was downstairs drinking coffee and eating cheese sandwiches because they were all in their 70s. Where was it? We pounded back like three gin and tonics, got in there, it was at the Brighton Centre as well with all the folding chairs, it was adorable. <laughs> my husband took a picture over his shoulder, that's a Paul Carrick joke, I'm really sorry, you probably don't get it. Um, and it was just a sea of white-haired people and we were literally, I've never felt so young and spry in my life. Love it. And they all got up and danced and it was just so cute. And actually he sang this, which actually did. I was a bit psyched about that, I have to admit. Oh, so, yeah. It wasn't go. a cool moment in my life, but... Uh, it's a lovely gift. I'll say this for Paul Carrick, he's still got it. Very, very thoughtful. Um, well. I know, uh, I've talked all the way through that. <laughs> a very interesting story <laughs> i think it's one of my favorite scenes in the film though because they're in the car aren't they vicky and laney and they're driving along it's great and it's kind of where it all starts doesn't it yeah. the car gets hit um jules holland playing the piano on that track yes of course um the band formed in deptford back in the uh, mid 70s and it was written by um glenn tilbrook i believe yeah and it's the only squeeze song that features Paul Carrick on vocals. I think um, so, yeah. Right. He might do backups here and there. It's Generally, it's Glenn Tilbrook, who's also amazing. I mean, I love the band Squeeze. My dad was a huge fan, and so we uh, played that I loads. Have in, I have in my notes that um, Chris Difford wrote the lyrics in a cab on the way to Heathrow. Yes. He and Glenn wrote it, so I guess Glenn, Glenn probably wrote the music. But Jules Holland played it. And it's... Uh, it's been used in adverts for Burger King and Heineken in the US. <laughs> can imagine it lends itself very well to uh, flogging stuff. Oh, it's so good. Um, so good. Oh, also, um, I hadn't appreciated that Elvis Costello produced it and that you can hear him singing on the second verse. Yeah, it's very much his... He and Glenn Tilbrook actually have quite a kind of similar... One of those, yeah. It was the scene, wasn't it, back then? The, the, the new wave post punk power pop thing and they're all mates in it lovely anything else on tempted before i move on no please okay well i think actually the next song that features in the film is um murder by uh murder KMC. The community. Yeah. <laughs> chaotic minds corrupting um they were a gangster rap outfit um and that came out in 1991 um but it's not on spotify so i won't play it instead Everybody knows this one. It's me snapping my fingers. 
Oh, this is so good. It was number one in 1979. So here they are, they're dancing in the, uh, in the shop, store. And Troy's very embarrassed. So yeah, when did outburst. you say it came out? 1979. It was number one in 1979, yeah. But then it re-entered the Billboard Hot 100 in 1994 uh, as a result of this soundtrack. And, and still got it. Right, okay, my first Linky Linky. Did you know that this version um, was remixed by Dave Jordan? Hey, Dave Jordan. Spoken about a number of times. As in James to, Dave. To, uh, yeah, Jane's Addiction Dave as well, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've got another fact about him a little bit later on. He oh, nice. all over the place. Did um, you know that um, the song is about Sharona Alperin? I did, and she's on the front cover of the uh, of the of the, um, of the single sleeve, holding up a copy of the album. She is. On. She's only seventeen. Oh wow! She's in high school, and Doug Figger um, basically declared his love for her. I guess he saw her. Somewhere, but she was really in love with her boyfriend. Um, but she still went to their gigs and stuff, and they put her on the cover. And finally, she gave in at 19. She dumped her boyfriend and went out with him. Oh, I didn't realize they finally got it together. Yeah, and then she went on tour with him and stuff. And when he was too busy um, doing, you know, recording or whatever, he would send her to go and look at houses for him to buy. Um, and she got so good at it, you know, because then he'd be like, oh, he'd tell the realtor, oh, just. Let Sharona, you take Sharona around, then she can like relay everything to me and it'll just make everything easier and if I'm gonna be interested or not, she'll know. So she ended up being a big shot realtor. Love it. Because of that. Brilliant. They didn't stay together. They were together a, a couple of years or something, but um, they remained on very good terms apparently. So she got a great career out of it in the end. And she's on the cover of the Knack album, so that's pretty cool too. We did mention that their um, lyrics got them into a bit of hot water because they tended to be about teenage girls. Uh, Doug Figer, obviously, <laughs> really, really, really concreting that reputation uh, thanks to the 17-year-old children there as well. Although didn't he kind of get around it for this song by, he said that it was written from, from the perspective of a 14-year-old boy, which makes it sound a little bit... Well, like you would say that, creepy. wouldn't you? <laughs> but apparently it wasn't just this song, it was like the whole album. Really and then, you know, they went through a, a whole backlash of being accused of, of trying to rip off the Beatles and whatnot. But the 90s uh, renaissance, thanks to the movie, helped a lot because everyone had forgotten all about all that pesky, you know, Convenient. troublesome stuff. Yeah. Convenient. Can I um, play you a slightly different version of this? No. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm gonna, anyway, you know what I'm going to play you. Uh, so this is my, it's not my baloney. What did, what did we say it was? You'll say it in a minute. My balona. This is my balona by Weird Al, except this was written before he was weird. I mean, I'm sure he was still weird, but he wasn't officially Weird Al. Doesn't it feel like it's on like one and a half times? Oh, it does a bit, but it's not. It's just Weird Al. Sounds like it. If you're the type of person who, I don't know, listens to podcasts and one and a half times the speed to get through it, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe someone would do that. Maybe someone who I'm married to would do that. This song must be torture for you listening to it now. <laughs> it does sound like that, doesn't it? I don't feel like it did when I listened to it earlier. You have to slow yourself down for this one. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, so apparently he recorded some parodies as a high school student. Um, uh, and sent them to a radio host called Dr. Demento, who told him that he had some potential. 
And then a few years later, when he was studying architecture at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, he was a DJ on the on the radio station there, and My Sharona was the most requested song. Sounds like a um, concertina, is that what they're called? <laughs> Charming. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> that wasn't me, that was the song. <laughs> they called a concertina? Uh, a concertina? Uh, oh, uh, an accordion. Accordion, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. What's a concertina then? Well, it's just that shape, isn't it? Okay. Or like when you fold paper. Like, but you can't call that instrument a concertina? I don't, I'm not okay. very musical either, but it's an accordion. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm literally asking. I'm not trying to be like, <laughs> I oh, I think it is Hannah. I'm like, noise. is it? <laughs> okay. Um, accordion was the word I was looking for, to be fair. Yeah. But um, yeah, as, as a lot of his parodies had to do with like food, he uh, turned it into a food-based cover of, uh, of My Strainer, hence My Bologna. Hey, he's not without talent. But yeah, no, but, I mean, his talent was picked up on because um, uh, he recorded it in the bathroom across the, school from, uh, across the hall from his radio station, sent it to Dr. Demento again, who played it on his show, and it went down really well. He, he uh, made it number one on his Funny Five countdown for a couple of weeks. And then the Nat came and played at the college, um, and Al went backstage and introduced himself as the guy oh, that nice. wrote my Bologna. Um, and <laughs> apparently, Figa said that he really loved him and introduced him to the VP of Capital Records that the Nat were on. And they signed Aww. Weird Al, or just Al, as he was at that point. Um, but the Weird they came later. <laughs> well, yeah, although he didn't stay with Capital because they didn't really do much. But like, they, they, they put it out as a single, but they didn't re-record it or anything. They just put out the demo version that he recorded in the bathroom. And didn't really promote it, so you know he went on to another label after that. But um, yeah, it was one of his very, very first parodies. Back when he was normal, Al. Bless. <laughs> um, and another very, very brief uh, link to a previous Christmas episode, not this one, but the last one, um, is Run DMC um, used the guitar riff for uh, for this from 1986. They fan, always do a good stamp. Okay. Uh, right, what is next? Ah. Ooh, baby. I'm so sure we've talked about Peter Frampton before. We have. Anytime we talk about Cameron Crowe, we talk about Peter Frampton. I don't think we've talked about Big Mountain, though, have we? No. Have we? Do you want to talk about Big Mountain? Sure. They're a band. <laughs> no, I do have... Um, okay. I was going to tell you something about Peter Frampton, though. Go on, then. Did you want to hear something about... The reggae band that is Big Mountain. Uh, I don't mind. Tell me uh, about Big lead Mountain. Lead singer Quino McQuinney is um, actually is not actually a Rastafarian, but he is an admirer of Bob Marley's music, and he is in fact half Mexican, half Irish. Ah, my countryman. And this scoop the '94 MTV Music Award for Best Cover. Nice. Um, what can I tell you about? This is where they've been drinking their big gulps, aren't they? On the bonnet. And oh my god, yes. those big gulps are enormous. They're obscene. He looks so good. Um, yes, it's originally a Peter Frampton tune from um, from Frampton Comes Alive, um, the double album, which uh, had liner notes written by the then 16-year-old Cameron Crowe who had been working for Rolling Stone and some other people. Uh, Peter Frampton heard about him and was like, I'm going to get that guy to come into the studio. He had Cameron listen to the album that no one really had heard apart from the record company. Uh, Cameron wrote some lovely stuff. Um, Peter was into it. 
And that's how it happened. Ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Yeah, no, I've just got that it was also... I don't, are you a fan of High Fidelity? We haven't really talked about it, have we? No. Uh, Weirdly, I'm not. I've always felt like I should be, and I should have enjoyed the book and the film, but I didn't. Yeah, so also, it's not quite 90s. I think it came out in 2000. Yeah, but the book, I mean, everyone was reading well, it in the late yeah, 90s, weren't they? And I just... I was like, eh, no. I, I have heard the reason for this, though, is apparently that we're not males. Uh, men really enjoyed That's the 90s movie that men really connect with. And apparently Reality Bites is, like, for females. I'm sure it has mm. nothing to do <laughs> with Ethan Hawke whatsoever. At all, nothing at all. Why do you, Winona? Yeah, but I don't know. It's something for everyone. Sure, but, I mean, it's like Winona and Lisa Loeb are in, like, their own little category. And when you've got like high fidelity, it's like a guy's movie. You you watch it for the music, yeah, and the cool factor of working in a record store. Which, let's face it, all kind of guys who love music would have loved that job when they I were. I would have loved that job, man. Well, I would too, but you know, maybe we're a bit guyish in our yeah. outlook and stuff. Because here we are doing a music commentary podcast instead of doing it on the Real Housewives of such and such a yeah. town. Oh my god, did that suddenly go really loud? No, it just came back at you. Um. Yeah, anyway, but, but uh, apparently, so Lisa Bonet does, uh, sings this in High Fidelity, and John Cusack's character hates the song until he hears her singing that. Yeah. Um, sounds, sounds right. <laughs> oh, and also, I'm just, I'm very, very late for the party, but I've just started watching the US office. I don't know why it never occurred to me to watch it before now, but I started watching it because I had to make a cake that was US office themed. It's because we're British, because... <laughs> We watched. We had the original one, and it's like the American one can't be as good as that. Yeah, but it I is actually so different. It, it really is. Good. It's brilliant. I absolutely love it. But in, there's an episode, Pam's replacement, um, where they perform this outside the warehouse after uh, being chucked out of the band. Um, they are loving it at the moment. Okay. Um, anything else on Big Mountain or Franton or Baby I Love You Way? Or shall we move on? No, move on. Oh, here she is again. It's our friend, Juliana, or Juliana for you. <laughs> With her three. Wait, is, there, is there two ends in Anna? <laughs> or is it one? Is it Just Juliana or I've Juliana? Always, I've always called her that. Hannah, I answer the question. Change. Are there two ends or one? One. This is Juliana. It's the Latin pronunciation. <laughs> Juliana. Juliana. The Juliana Hatfield three. I've actually got nothing to say about this because I think you'll find we've already covered it in H for Hatfield. But if you want to say some something else, I don't feel think, free. I don't think I did even take any notes for it because I just rely on you to talk about <laughs> Juliana Hatfield. <laughs> well, that's the bit where Lainey's filming uh, Vicky at The Gap again. We're back at The Gap. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of The Gap. And you um, have talked about Juliana in the H pod. Back yeah. In- Back in one. Month. She's come up a few times. But and yeah. then, yeah, we talked about her in the Lemonheads episode. Um, and then we talked about her again in uh, My Circle of Life. So, yes. She's running so, yeah. through this podcast like a bloody stick of rock. She's very welcome. Uh, but since we have covered her a lot, um, I shall move on to. Woo! It's not a very 90s song, but everyone loves a bit of this. Go Inferno. Oh my god, yeah. I, I totally got into Saturday Night Fever. Do you know what? I didn't. I was all about Grease and really could not stand Saturday Night Fever, but my dad had the vinyl. You know, I had the record player in my room. My mum was like, it. Came of age. 
I had that bitch on all the time. Because I didn't like the Bee Gees. I think that was it. Just really disliked What are you talking about? You weren't like, not like Night Fever. What are you talking about? I mean, it's grown on me now. And I love this song. But I I think it comes back to the falsetto thing of the Bee Gees. And because they're so prominent in it. No, but it's such a kick-ass tune, and like you're right, you're right. I am wrong. Staying I do. Alive. Oh, <laughs> yeah, just amazing. Did not do it for me at all. Uh, right, Disco Inferno. Now my notes are all over the place, so it's going to take me a while to find this song. So you go. Actually, I had a Robert Stigwood story. So Robert oh, yeah. Stigwood produced the Saturday Night Fever album. He. Um, he was doing the soundtrack to um, Alan Moyle's first movie Alan Moyle from yeah uh, about other films what? <laughs> Empire Records what else do we do oh pump up the volume <clears throat> pump up the volume and, and and Alan basically and Robert Stigwood came to uh, blows basically about the soundtrack and that Alan wasn't having it because Rob wanted to put all this other stuff in to the point where he got Alan got kicked off the movie oh, because wow. of Robert Stigwood oh dear anyway uh, okay, well, I've got a link to our Christmas episode last week, well, two weeks ago. Nice. Um, so this was covered in 1993 by Tina Turner and What's Love Got To Do With It? And then later in 1998, so very relevant, 90s, uh, by Cindy Lauper Yay. on the A Night at the Roxbury soundtrack. And of course, we talked about her single with the hives, um, that uh, lovely Christmas yes. jewel. I was actually listening and to our... Um, playlist on Christmas Day and I'm really I've never I never really heard that tune before I love it it's brilliant isn't it it's really good yeah. it. it's made me revisit the hives and Cindy Law for definitely it's one of my Christmas faves um, what else can I tell you about Disco Inferno not a lot can you tell me anything no next okay <laughs> right oh we're firmly in the 70s at the moment man that's I what feel... was retro in the 90s. Yeah, true. I feel like we've talked about Schools Out and Alice Cooper before, yes. but I can't remember why. Uh, but this was from his fifth album. I think we talked about it from Dazed. I'm confused. Yeah, that could make sense. Yeah. From his fifth album, came out in 1972, already on his fifth album by 1972. He said that he was inspired to write it when he was asked to answer the question, what's the greatest three minutes of your life? And he responded, there's two times during the year. One is Christmas morning, when you're just getting ready to open the presents. The <gasps> greed factor, yeah, quite. The greed factor's right there. And the next one is the last three minutes of the last day of school when you're sitting there and it's like a slow fuse burning. And I said, if we can catch that three minutes in the song, it's going to be big. And I think he was correct. Yeah, no one has ever thought to write a song about it. <laughs> and now they never will because Alice took care of business it's for everybody. Been done. I love Alice Cooper. He's, oh, he's such a legend. I know we talked about like, he hired his daughter to be the snake handling dancer on tour because he's such a dude and you know he just goes on tour with his kid he's still married he's just like this guy who like dyes his hair and wears this black eye makeup but he's just a total decent guy who's always helping people out and just being Great fella, and he's an avid historian as well. Oh, that's it. We must really have smart. talked. We must have talked to Wayne's World. Wayne's World, exactly. Yes, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, love him so much, and I remember being completely like mystified. I was watching the chart show on a Saturday back in the early nineties, 
and suddenly there's this little dude with this crazy dyed black hair and this like weeping black eye makeup and he's like going through some sort of warehouse with chains hanging off the wall and I was like I don't know what this is the song's called Poison I can love it and I remember telling my dad do you know Alice Cooper and he was like what <laughs> a tad horrified we should have known then I was going to get into some some rock and some metal I can't wait for the day one of my kids comes and says well you know like have you heard of Marilyn Monroe or Amy Winehouse that would be amazing I thought <laughs> you were going to say Chris yet. Cornell we can hope we can dream yeah, that'll, that'll everything cross for that day that'll, maybe the little one in fact I mean my kid's going to love hearing about Chris Cornell she get into it right now Oh yes, of course. <laughs> Just pick out all the dead ones. Yep. See what take Pick out thing. all the dead ones, Hannah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that is <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I know, but I feel like I maybe was a bit more subtle. <laughs> pick out all the dead ones. <laughs> like taking all the raisins out of your cereal. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, bad taste. Um, Stone Temple right. Pilots, the list is coming at you. Basically, just make a listen to the podcast. Listen and all the swearing. <laughs> By that just token, Pearl Jam's, Pearl Jam's <laughs> the only band she won't want to listen Why to. Why doesn't she love my <laughs> She only wants to hear dead people. <laughs> okay, Nirvana, tomorrow. Oh, shit. Yes. Actually, they're not all dead yet. Don't worry about it. No, Foo Fighters, not yet. Yeah. I mean, and God willing, never, in, you know, in the... Very distant future, of course, but, uh, yeah. Okay, the bell's ringing. On that note. Spinderella cut it up one time. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah! I could join this band. Who'd have thought? Oh. So <laughs> again. Who'd have thought that we'd already talked about them in G for good housekeeping? <laughs> so if oh, you want to yeah. hear about shoot. Yeah, Check you know what? That G might put you off from the title, but if you haven't heard it, get back in there. Come on. Killer tunes. Man. In fact, there's another one that we already talked about on that coming up. Yeah, you know what? The, you know these good housekeeping ladies? Pure filth. <laughs> but yeah, good message in this song. Very sensible. Um, released in August 1991 as a single from their third studio album, Black's Magic. That came out in 1990. Yeah, I mean... Got a strong message, right? Absolutely. <laughs> what the hell happened to them, you know? Why did they just disappear? Think, well, didn't they have a big falling out with Spinderella? Um, oh, that's right, yeah. Gosh, yeah. I can't it's remember. Come back to me I, I think we talked about it a bit on Good Housekeeping. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Go you, to G. If you want to find out, look it up. Um, <laughs> uh, I can't actually remember when... Uh, is this in the film premiere when Lainey's being played her it's a, yeah, yeah it's, it's from that, the it? yeah. clip that Michael has the made car and... crash of a premiere yeah, yeah. okay uh, do you want to talk about sex or this I'm song good. anymore <laughs> okay I'm fine thanks thanks for asking though that case so in that same bit where you've got oh yeah so school's out let's talk about sex and road to nowhere that are on that mini clip soundtrack yeah, this makes me want to stand really still and then just wiggle my arms. <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> you know what I mean, don't you? <laughs> that funny dance he does. With his legs yeah. move independent of his body and then his arms go. Yeah, I can't wait. And then his wait. whole body goes. <laughs> I can't wait to see Eddie Vedder do exactly the same thing when he sings Dance of the Clairvoyance. This summer. On tour. Everything crossed. Um, right, okay. I need to find my notes for this. Oh, here we go. Um, what can I tell you? So, 1985, on Little Creatures, David Byrne said, I wanted to write a song that represented, that presented a resigned, even joyful look at doom. Um, (laughs) 
I'd say it's definitely a song for now. <laughs> Absolutely. This was me on Christmas Day. No. <laughs> it just feels right for this year, last year, hopefully not next year. But, um, no, 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 no. Don't hex that. <laughs> no. Um, oh, 2022 it, is going to be... It's going to be our... It's going to be a year. We're coming back. It's going to be a year. Yeah. It's over. Um, uh, we haven't mentioned R.E.M. yet. So Good. Uh, let me stick in a tenuous <laughs> little loop. No, I was just going to say, it's the same sentiment as R.E.M.'s. It's the end of the world as we know it and I feel fine, I think. It's, it's about... Um, I was just about to say... Doom scenario. I feel fine. But it's joyful. So, you know... Yeah, is that is that an accordion or? <laughs> it's a concertina. <laughs> <of> my imagination. <laughs> uh, I don't have anything else on this, have you? No, oh, who told you that? Your psychic partner. <laughs> okay. I had to. Oh, it's a good tune though. Love it. But I also really, really love this tune, and this is one that I would hit replay on a lot on the CD when uh, I played the soundtrack a lot. Really? Yeah. Didn't I'm not crazy about this one. Oh, love it. Better Roses, the Indians. This um, is one I, I definitely deliberately fast forwarded. Oh. Yeah. I'm surprised. I thought you'd be uh, kind of all over this. Um, okay, so uh, 1993. It's it sound, I think. I think that's yes, why you like it more the than The jangly me. guitars. Yeah. yeah, no accordion. Maybe there's an accordion. Listen, there's no concertina. I'm not fucking interested. <laughs> but definitely jingly jangly. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. They've got, yeah, they've got tambourines. Let's just put it that way. So it was off their debut album, Indianism. Um, so they comprise of an English bassist called Chris William, Wilson, sorry, an Italian guitarist called Zeb. <laughs> I don't know if he had a surname, but Zeb. I think um, probably when your name's Zebulon, you don't need a last name. You're kind of like Madonna. You're just flying with that. Yeah. Um, and singer-songwriter Angelique Bianca, who is from LA, uh, but she moved to London in 1989, met Wilson, and then they recruited uh, Italian Zeb uh, for this album. Uh, and she was also a DJ, so used uh, used that uh, DJ influence to um, uh, later um, work on the California soundtrack. So she did the title track for, for the California soundtrack. Did you ever really? watch that? Oh, you mean the TV series? Yeah. I no, the, the film. film. Sorry, oh, the I film. was thinking of the film. With the with the K. Yeah, not yeah. Californication is the David Duchovny yes, thing. Yes, sorry, yeah. The film Obviously. California. Yeah. No, I did. That's the Brad Pitt and Juliet yes. Lewis one, yeah. Juliet Lewis, who we were talking about recently. I think it's Juliet Lewis. Recently. Um, it is yeah, Juliet Lewis. Yeah, why were we talking about her? I can't oh, remember. Uh, Christians later. Uh, uh, we were. Were we? <laughs> no, you I think it was that. Yeah, what's the one that she's in with Christians later? Am I getting a mix up with someone else? She's currently in a relationship with Brad Wilk, who's the drummer for Rage Against the Machine. Oh. An audio slave. Did not know that. FYI. Yeah. And she has her own band as well. And I know what they're called. Yes. Juliet Lewis and the Licks, that's what they're called. No, I was just thinking that I had just seen her because we just watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I I almost forget she's the daughter. True romance. Is she not true romance? No. That's Patricia Arquette. Oh, okay, I'm getting them confused. Let's definitely do that soon. <laughs> Love that. Uh, yeah, Any no excuse deal. for a Christian Slater vehicle? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that also includes Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah oh Wrote god, I had a Quentin Tarantino fact I forgot to mention. Oh, in relation to my Sharona. 
Oh yeah. What? Uh, what was it? Um, oh yeah, it was that my Schroner, Pulp, uh, Quentin Tarantino wanted it for Pulp Fiction. Um, in that scene where Bruce Willis, uh, Bruce Willis, um, you know, the, the horrible, the, ch- the submissive thing, the gimp, you know, the gimp scene, yes. that horrible scene. Um, but they didn't have it because Reality Rights got it instead, I think. Oh yeah, because there is that connection with it because uh, Stacey Sher produced, executively produced Reality Bites and Pulp Fiction in the same year. There and you go. she went out with Quentin Tarantino as well. So I'm surprised actually that she didn't give it to, you know, manage to somehow get it to him yeah. instead, but whatever. Yeah, I knew we'd had this conversation before. It's coming back. Yeah, it's all screaming back. Uh, okay, well, if you didn't like Better Roses, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this, because this was another one that I loved, and because of this soundtrack, delved into the posies a little bit more. No, actually, I like this one, but I probably did forward this one as well, to be honest with you. I, I like this a lot more than the Indians track, though. you got your jangly guitars again. It's better, though. It's got that Mersey Beat vibe. Yeah, I think they were pretty strongly influenced by Mersey Beat. Um, I'm just trying to find my, my notes. I think they're big Gone. squeeze fans. That would make sense, yeah, can hear that there too. Ugh, where are my notes? Well, I'll fill in for you. Yeah, They're actually from Bellingham, Washington State. Um, Mike Musburger was a member of the Fastbacks, and later a yes. Seattle staple. In Love Battery. And Super Suckers. Uh, drummer Brian Young joined Fountains of Wayne, who we were just talking about. Good linky linky to our Christmas, uh, Christmas pod. Oh, and I do have another REM link. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Ken Stringfellow from 2008 to 2011 um, was the singer in The Disciplines, the rest of whose lineup were previous members of a Norwegian band called Briskaby. Uh, but The Disciplines <clears throat> joined REM on their 2008 European tour, which of course I attended. And their song, Yours for Taking, was included on a CD with songs selected by R.E.M. for the March 2008 issue of Q magazine, uh, which I ah, owned. Um, but uh, Stringfellow um, uh, has been uh, cancelled. Um, <laughs> you were going to say dead for some years. Well, but you meant, yeah. He's dead to his band members yeah. now. They split up in October 2021 following several allegations of sexual misconduct made against him. Wow. You wonder, I mean, I have to I have to just wonder aloud here, just for a second. Kind of, like, reminds me of the alleged... Yeah, I know what you're going to say. ...guy from Blue Tones. Allegedly. Shitbag. Yeah. Um, you do kind of think when the band distances themselves from that member, uh, after they've mm. been knowing each other for 25 to 30 years, and you just think, you had to know. You know, but now, you know, saving face a bit like, I mean, I'm not saying it definitely is that way, but it does make me think, huh, because, you know, these people, when you're touring, you know each other very well. Yeah, but you can never know anyone completely, can you? You know, narcissists are very, very good at covering things up, covering their tracks. Mm. I mean, who knows? My well experience done to the narcissist, not that intelligent. Well, well done to the band for distancing themselves. So, you know, whether they did it 25 years too late or not. Somewhat late, but, but you know. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Who Better knows? late than never, okay. Yeah. I'm just wondering aloud that allegedly. Yeah. I'm not saying anything uh, allegedly. 
Okay. Let's and I'm going, 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 gone on that <laughs> subject completely. More ice thicker. Let's, Let's have get another going, gym. going, gone on this one quite quickly because it's you too. <laughs> oh, you too? Should I fast forward? Uh, no, uh, yeah, I think the song's all right. Hannah, and have I you do... worn your t-shirt yet? <laughs> no, I was I really kind of hoping yet. you'd show up. I know, it? I know. It's a bit, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I I'm need gusted. to wear something underneath it. So it's, uh, it's a bit oh, chilly, a bit what? chilly for short sleeves. Oh, I will come next on. time. I'll wear it. My mum bought me two thermal vests and a pair of thermal <laughs> leggings for Christmas. <laughs> So, yeah, I will don it next time. Listen, maybe you could just take a little shot of you wearing it and we'll put it on the gram. <laughs> I, will, I will, I will. The back, though, I, mean, I am slightly disappointed that you didn't emblazon it across the front. Well... And I would have worn it proudly. I didn't mention across this. my breasts. At the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you when you stick those letters onto a T-shirt, you have to put the letter face down so you can only see the paper. Did you iron it yourself? I knew myself when I was <laughs> I didn't sort of, realise it was homemade. I, iron challenge. You're person. so clever. No, I'm not clever because, see, I wrote, I put it all out and you have to put them upside down and I've got this. Managed to only put one N in Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> because I was trying to make it symmetrical. So basically your pronunciation of Juliana. I cut happened. out. Yes, I cut out two N's. Funny, funny, funny. Yeah. yeah. It did say Bono is a fanny. And I didn't know until I'd ironed it all and taken the paper off. So then I had to pick (laughs) off the N and the Y, pick it off using all manner of different um, solvent dissolvers and stuff while trying not to get the rest of the t-shirt at which point I realized my life was pathetic and stupid when I'm like still scratching it off with my finger and trying to get these little bits of... uh, but I did do it in the end. But if you if you you will notice that there's it's not very well spaced. And the reason is, I'm sorry. I only put one in funny, and I'm very embarrassed about that. I'm really trying to not say thank you for picking your funny off my t-shirt. Oh God, Hannah. Sorry, sorry. Hey, it's actually funny. Say it. Wouldn't funny have to have an e? That's what I should have run with. Was like, no, that's actually how you spell it. And in fact, you say it. You've been saying it wrong all these years. So. Yeah. Oh, he is though. But <laughs> but I do. I mean, yeah. This is from Rattle and Harp, nineteen eighty-eight, and I I did like them up to Upton Baby. Is it really from that early? Yeah. I thought this. I thought he wrote. Like I thought it was contemporary to the film. I had no idea. Uh, well, wow. Uh, yeah, I think so. Amazing. Maybe that was that, but I think so. Yeah. But and, and also, oh, this is such a touching scene as well. Oh yeah. Troy goes to the airport. Um. And apparently Bono, the fanny, it's wrote a montage, it. yes, isn't it? It's, yeah, the, yeah. it's the tragic montage. It is a montage song, isn't it? It just feels, it's got that it vibe, is, yeah. definitely. Apparently the, the actual video is a love story between a, a dwarf and a trapeze artist. Now, I don't know if you're supposed to say dwarf, I think it's supposed to be little person, so whoever wrote that, you need to be cancelled immediately. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he wrote it all about his wife, Ali, and, okay, now I, I do think this is a bit wanky, Apparently, the quiet verse. So the quiet verse is a hymn telling her the words, and this is the bit that I think is a bit wanky. The loud guitar at the end of the verses is supposed to be her reaction, and this bit where he's screaming "All I want you" over and over again. The edge, okay. So the edge is now going to solo for that same amount of time as the wife's reaction to his screaming "All I want is you." Is the edge? Listen, I won't hear a word against the edge. 
I bloody love the man. Do you? Yes, I do. Why? I had a bit of a crush on him in the 90s. <laughs> but only because he's so very, very talented. He's a fucking boss guitar player, so... just You say what you like about Bono, okay? You just leave the edge alone, right? What's with that little hat as well? He's bald. He wears the hat. He's been wearing the hat since the early 90s because he's actually bald. He's, I think he's actually been wearing the hat since the late 80s, so... That doesn't take away listen to him. He's a freaking maestro. Legend. I've got a little link to your Rufus episode. Did you know that Van Dyke Parks arranged the strings? I did know that. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Now you do. And that is a great fact and I love it. You're welcome. Uh, Anything else you want to say about The Edge or Fannies? (laughs) (laughs) Fanny, no. (laughs) All right. Here's one that you're a fan of. Yes. Honestly, what? Lenny really couldn't do any wrong in the 90s in my eyes. Mm. Got the groove, biatch. This is one that I fast forward on the soundtrack. So fucking really? Mm. Oh, I just so I don't know what it. I don't like this song. I like some Lenny Kravitz. Just this song grates on me. Yeah, I just I just love everything on. So if it's the Mama vocal. Said, are you sounds, gonna go my way? A bit like all like, like post. I like Post Malone, but it's got that kind of. Do you know what I mean? The, the, is there like auto tune on the vocal? Did that exist then? No, but there's know. some kind of compression or some kind of mic screen thing. Yes, there is some effects. Yeah, I don't like it. Boys would know. I hate to say that <gasps> we well we did we never played guitars and we weren't in a band and we don't know things about recording equipment. But yeah, there's some, there's definitely something being used there and it's of that kind of 70s vibe. Yeah. But you know, when you talk about Lenny Kravitz, there's like literally no one cooler. Even when his pants are, you know, his leather trousers <laughs> are exploding on stage, he still managed to style it out. Did he storm off? No. Yeah. He just grabbed his guitar and he carried on playing with his Willie out. You know, no, that I, I is a definitely, rock star. Yeah, I agree, I agree. It's just, yeah, I have nothing against Lenny whatsoever. And yeah, I, I, I get it. Just this song. I know. If I knew what swag was, I'd say he had shitloads of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so. But yeah, obviously not enjoying this, so let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Also, we talked about Lenny Kravitz in the... We did. Okay. So, uh, check it out. Trying to see if I had anything interesting in my notes. No. You know, eventually... Are you going to go my way on that album? Hannah, eventually all our podcasts are going to be like, yeah. is this artist? Please <laughs> refer to B-Pod Volume 5. <laughs> Basically an index. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll go along and index ourselves until it's just an index. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be meta okay. as fuck. <laughs> Referring to ourselves... In the third party. Okay, Turnip Farm. Dinosaur this is Jr. great. Do you know what though? I just didn't like this at all in the 90s. I love it now. That guitar wailing is so yeah. good. I tried really hard to get into them. Me too. And I got into them a little bit, but I didn't... Lo- Same with like Sebado uh, a bit later. But yeah, it was always like, I like them and I'll have it on in the background whilst I'm doing my homework. I can't love them. Yeah, absolutely. And now I'm like, oh god, so good. And yeah, like when remember when you played like Monster Magnet, and I was like, my god, where is this for in my entire life? That was so a bit weird. Later in the nineties, but yeah. well, yeah. But I mean, it's so strange that you listen to it now, and it's like completely different vibe to it. Yeah, I love this. But yeah, so I don't know. I didn't have the album. So this was right. So uh, well. 
First off, they're originally from Massachusetts. <laughs> okay. Sonic Youth are big fans of them. Yeah. Um, the band was originally called Dinosaur. Had to add the junior when a, a super group called Dinosaurs got litigious on their asses. And um, I had the cash to challenge them since it comprised of ex-members of Hot Tuna, Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, so when I looked it up, um, I could, all I could find was it, it's from Green Mind, which came out in 1931, but I think it was only on the re-release that came out in 2006, but I, I could be wrong, but I think it was written around 1991. But maybe it was a B-side or something, I don't know. I looked into it, but I couldn't find any definitive answers. But it's listed as being on Green Mind. Right. Um, well, they got their 1989 number one out of cover of The Cure's Just Like Heaven. Ah, oh, yes, that's brilliant. I love that cover. Oh my god, and speaking of The Cure, um, uh, I am, I'm sorry, but I am going to spam our Instagram stories with this. Um, Fukushima Dolphin saw him on Christmas Eve or the day before the other day, and he did two Cure covers. Was he at least born in 1990s? I don't know when he was born, <laughs> but he did a forest and pictures of you. And I was like, it started off with pictures of you, and I was like, oh, this is really familiar, it sounds really cure and I said to my husband, it really sounds like the Cure. The thing is, he does this, th- the amazing thing about him is like, he, he just layers the sound up. Um, it's just him with, um, he, he just does like, he's got an acoustic guitar, um, and he just loops it. So the way that he builds songs, it takes a long time, and you're like, yeah, there's elements of this that are really familiar, and then suddenly he adds something else, and it's like, oh, yes, of course, that's what it's in. And, and it happened, yeah, on so many of the tracks and he does some original material it's really good but it's mainly cover versions but of just like some of my top favourite songs ever so yeah you were unwell um, but next time they play you have to come with me how dare you go out and listen to music without me I know I know I did feel good every time did Neil Young's Hey Hey My My Uh, uh, Nirvana All Apology like just every time it's like oh man Lily would love this yeah next time um, I have got a singles-related fact for you here. Ooh, cool. So, Matt Dillon is very good friends with Dinosaur Jr., or with Jay Maskins, um, and he shot the video for the 1992 single, Get Me, and Jay said of it, we became friendly after he came to one of our shows, he expressed interest in trying to direct a video, um, and he said, you don't find many movie stars walking around our old town, Amherst, Massachusetts. So it's funny seeing people's reactions and stuff. And um, he also directed another one, Been There All The Time in 2007, uh, that was made at our mate Thurston Moore's house and King Gordon's house, um, and their daughter uh, Coco. And I think her mates were in the video um, as well, like, uh, you know, pretending to be in a band or something, and, you know, got paid pocket money for it. Uh, yeah, nice. you enjoyed that. Yeah, bass player Lou Barlow founded Sebado. That was my fact. That was my contribution. <laughs> yes, you <he> did. Boom, boom. <laughs> Next. Okay. Um, oh, okay. It's a bit different. Oh, I this like is this great. one. Yeah, this is great. Revival. Revival. Say it again. Revival. <laughs> Revival. Say so well to warm up. I actually, talking I woke up this morning... And you know when you've just had something sort of like residually on your mind and it's the first thing you think of. Like now I don't have to think about COVID every morning. I'm I'm allowed to think about other things. And I I woke up this morning and I just thought, oh my God, I don't know anything about me by me. Now that isn't true. I do have notes, but that was my immediate thought. It was obviously 
knowing that we were going to pod today and just suddenly my mind was just completely blank I was like I don't know anything anything at all and I couldn't remember if I'd researched this and there was nothing to know he was just a complete mystery but it isn't what you got well unfortunately I didn't find anything new <laughs> but I did remind myself that me by me is an American rapper from Flint Michigan um, yeah, he is the band, isn't he? It's just him. Well, he's actually a lot more... He's kind of in TV and movies now. Um, he uh, produced three songs, I believe, for Strange Days, uh, which was uh, a movie directed by Catherine Bigelow in the 90s. Um, also, Robert De Niro's um, TV drama anthology, Tribeca, which he provided the theme tune for. And several other things so that's kind of where he is cool. these days I've also got that he um, so that he came up with the name in 1987 as uh, an homage to um, historically black fraternities such as Alpha Phi Alpha and Kappa Alpha Psi is that pronounced I was going right? to say the only thing I could think of with the name was yeah this sorority fraternity thing that we don't have here in in the UK which is always been fascinating yes it's very alien it's like what do you mean what but I can know and I'm sure you thought this back in the 90s when we were at university you knew deep in your heart you wouldn't you would have been in one I felt like I definitely wouldn't have been either I was active in my student union but it's a different different, whole whole different ball game isn't it yeah what is it JCR junior common rooms in halls and stuff I wasn't involved in that I think that was as close as it gets and it's still a whole world away Um, the other thing I've got which I thought was quite sweet is that he uh, apparently still assists in his church choir in Baltimore um, when he's not consulting at a fortune top 20 corporation oh yes I did read that because weirdly enough during our stay indoors for for Covid we managed to rewatch all of The Wire all of it all wow. five seasons it was amazing it was so good oh, um, I need to re-watch that loads of stuff it's been amazing. the third time we've rewatched it have it's you watched the, so um, the corner as well like the prequel no. to it no that's really good I really want to because it's got a lot of the same actors but playing different characters and also like some of the actual you know real life people that it was based on doing little cameos you've definitely told me about this before and I don't know why we haven't watched it so anyway. I think like Daniels, um, you know, like Daniels, the, p- yeah. the police uh, investigator and stuff, he plays like a heroin addict or a dealer or something, I can't remember, in the uh, in the prequel, which is just really weird to see the same guy doing a totally opposite role. Oh, the cast for The Wire oh, is so good. So They're good. incredible. In fact, just before we leave this year, we can mention that um, Michael Williams, who played Omar, one of the most beloved robbing drug dealers which is amazing that anybody would feel that way but he was so fantastic and I'd completely forgotten in the whole show he doesn't swear oh really and you consider how ridiculous the language is in the entire five seasons and yet Omar never swears once gosh I never never noticed that and he still manages to get his point across <laughs> so it's super sad that he died apparently it was a drug overdose it's yeah. really horrible but yeah, he was, what a legend he was such an amazing actor so. really was <clears throat> R.I.P. okay anything else? no Stone revival alright in that case <laughs> now this is a fun one hey kids this requires a certain amount of audience participation oh <laughs> that fills my heart with dread at a gig <laughs> 
Junction Junction. So yeah, listeners across the pond um, were probably very familiar with this, but Brits like us might require a bit One, more two, three, explanation. It's but, like Chaz and Dave for the Brits, I guess, is... Yeah, or for contemporary... The sing-alonger you know, types. <laughs> contemporary Brits with kids. I don't know, is it like alpha, alpha bots or alpha, you know, the alpha... I don't know, what are those educational <laughs> programs teach your kids to read? And We only had zigzags, do you remember that? Zigzag? No. Do you remember was that in our day? Yeah, that was when they used to, you know, the, pull the telly in on a trolley. No. And you'd be sitting there cross-legged. I mean, you are a little bit older than me. In the hall, which is... Zigzag. Oh, Zig and Anzac, are they the puppets? No? Yes, but not, that's not what I'm talking about. Zigzag was a horrible, like, TV show that was like, hey, we'll get the kids to learn, because it'll look like a TV show, but it was the least kind of entertaining thing, and it was utterly boring. Oh, okay. You don't remember Zigzag? No. I'm horrified to hear this. I'm going to have to put this on Instagram. Try and get some love <laughs> from our Instas. Well, shall we you remember, right, guys? You remember Zigzag? Remember, remember how boring remember? it was? Remember? Remember? So, well, this is, so, okay, this version does not appear on Reality Bites, but it's got the, you know, the main four uh, characters um, singing this on the roof of the building. So this is from Schoolhouse Rock, which is like a educational, you know, series uh, in the States. And they try and stealthily get you to learn through, yeah. But I have a fact, again, to one of your episodes. So um, Laurie Lieberman, who you have talked about in your Fuji's episode, yes. um, uh, in relation to Killing Me Softly, softly um, did a schoolhouse uh, rock song called The Great American Melting Pot. So there you go. You're welcome. Were they on Sesame Street? Because if they weren't, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of vibe as well, isn't it? That, Do you yeah. remember when Feist was on Sesame Street? I don't know if your kids watched it. Mine did. Oh my god. She does you know her song one, two, three, four. Yeah. Neither now But to teach kids. It's gosh, now I'm gonna so have to that the up. video well, her video is amazing. It's like a synchronized dancing thing. But the video of her, you know, on the episode of Sesame Street is also completely adorable and she goes around hugging the Muppets it's the cutest thing. gosh when was that? Um, well it must have happened just around about the time when my oldest was yeah youngish so definitely like maybe 2010 something. wow I'm going to have to look that up thanks um, I've had enough of this one <laughs> about you yeah. so I'm going to move on to oh actually I'm not a fan of this one either sounds like the 90s though doesn't it fucking hell does it it's like everything in the early 90s chart like oh I, I don't just think got it shiver is down 90s. my back um, is it 90s oh, no, that's why my notes maybe late 80s no it's, it's early 80s okay, so I like I do like a bit of new order but it makes me want to dance like with my elbows out do you know what I mean do like the running man yeah this is a difficult <laughs> listen for me I don't know if it's like is it out of time or like, I don't know what it is but, but I find it really hard to listen to um, discordant isn't it it is yeah it's, it's tough uh, apparently both Peter Hook and Bernard Sumner are playing bass separately <laughs> uh, on this. Um, it's horrible. Got, it is horrible, isn't it? So yeah. I will very, very quickly just throw in a Madonna fact. Oh, because <laughs> we have double whammy. Why don't you so, punch um, me in the face? So it's produced by uh, New York DJ Arthur Baker. And the video features live footage of the band spliced with scenes of New York life, night, nightlife. Uh, specifically at the Fun House. And in the video, you've got Arthur Baker and DJ John Jellybean Benitez. <clears throat> uh, and Jellybean famously uh, produced a lot of Madonna. So there you go. Now we can move on. Ah, okay. This one, I have some stuff to say. So are you familiar 
with uh, morenasa. Oh, lost eye, come on, lost off on my nose. So, do you want me to vamp? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, you can answer my question. <laughs> do you know this song? Do you know Maldita Vecindad? It does sound very familiar. Well, I mean, it's on the soundtrack. <laughs> So this is when <laughs> this is another great scene. This is when Lainey applies for a job at Wiener Dude. Oh, <laughs> yeah, which folds into our uh, episode about Wieners <clears throat> of Pump Up the Volume, where we talked about the Descendants and their track Wiener Schnitzel. Oh, have okay. a toot, Wiener Dude. <laughs> oh, I wonder where you were going with that. It's like, what have I not been paying yeah, attention to? That gorgeous moment where we. Uh, we get, uh, what's that fella, isn't it? David Spade. Yes. With his little cat that's yes. turned up at the top and he's got, doesn't he have a ridiculous moustache yes. in it as well? Yes, he, he is so good in that. What's this, something about working, you know? Giving the, yeah, yeah. So about working six months, yeah. 35 or 45 or something and then in the end he says, it's not an auction. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. He's such a dick. <laughs> and we definitely talked about him because when that person in, was it Germany, did the mural of David Spade. Yeah. And then put a, a Kurt Cobain quote yeah. next to it. Yes, yes. Genius. Yes. Brilliant. Very funny. Did we post that up or did we just love I don't it? think we did. So no one who's listening will know what the hell we're talking about. Let's put that up because that is one of I my favourite things. I think also, you, when we talked about Warren Zevon in the um, Elvis episode, yeah. uh, you thought that Warren... Warren <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> like David Spade uh, with it, big hair. David Spade, oh my God. Did you ever watch Just Shoot Me? No. He was so good in it. That was a great show. 90s show. Oh, Excellent. me, again. With um, Laura Giacomo, is it? She was in Pretty Woman. I don't she know. She was the sassy New Yorker best pal. Laura San Giacomo? I think maybe that's the name. Okay, but moving I on. I trust Sorry. you. I trust you, yeah, the film. Just Shoot Me. But anyway, show. back to Maldita Vecindad. So, I was introduced to this band uh, by uh, some of my Mexican cousins. So, they got together, they're from Mexico City, they were formed in 1985, um, and they were pioneers of rock en español. Um, so there was a movement in, uh, in the late 80s called Rock en tu idioma, which is rock in your language. Um, and it began in Argentina, and then it kind of filtered through uh, Latin America, um, and uh, obviously Mexico. And so there were a bunch of Mexican bands that were influenced by bands like The Cure and The Police. Um, and this was one of them. Um, and my, my cousin Fernando and my cousin Annie um, introduced me to, uh, to them along with other, other Mexican bands um, like Caifanes and Café Tacuba and Maná. Um, and they were all kind of like, um, you know, similar, similar kind of vibe to this. They combined ska uh, with rock and traditional Mexican music. Um, and kind of celebrated street culture uh, in Mexico City. And, oh, I have a link here for you. Uh, in 1999, 1991, they, um, they did their first US tour and they played with lots of people, including Leonard Cohen, Sonic Youth, Madness, Faith No More, and Jane's Addiction, many of which you've talked about in some of your episodes. Yeah, and we were talking about Madness, who popularised the venue Dublin Castle. Yes, only last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it last week? Well, it was some time ago, I don't know. I've had COVID. <laughs> a week feels like a year to me now. <laughs> but yeah, so the full name is actually Maldita Vecindad and Los Hijos del Quinto Patio, which um, oh, uh, thank translates you. as... Thank God you pronounced that, not me. 
Uh, it translates as the damn neighborhood and the sons of the fifth patio. Um, but Avestindad, I mean, like it literally means neighborhood, but they, what they were specifically referring to where there were residential areas built at the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th centuries in uh, in Mexico that um, like shared, um, they were kind of built around these big patios and they shared communal facilities like toilets and laundries and stuff. Um, and you know, the more patios that these vecindades had, the more populated and kind of you know, poorer they, they tended to be. Um, and most of the band members um, were from one such messy uh, dad. Um, and yeah, that's where Ooh. it came from. Yeah, I like this chain, it's good. Cool, isn't it? Uh, okay. What you got? Good timing. The big finish. Uh, okay, well, let's go from Mexico to Brazil, but not for too long because I don't like this song <laughs> at all. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about Sepultura. How do you feel about them? Um, um, I don't think I'm qualified to speak on them unless I'm wearing a black leather jacket. (laughs) And I'm not. (laughs) So you go. Well, um, this is a rise by Sepultura. I can't remember where it features in the the film. Do you? It's in there. No, I feel like it will come to me though. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it, but it was their first official single, um, title track of uh, of, uh, of their fourth album that came out in 1991, um, also called Arise, and it's one of their biggest songs. Doesn't it have something to do with Vicky in the movie? Possibly. Anyway. Anyway. Um, Ooh, can I tell my story about about when my brother saw um, Steve Zahn yeah. in Cover Garden? And he, in a, in our little uh, primitive Nokia 3310s or whatever they were, I was at home and he was out with his friend and they used to go kind of ironically to this shit place in Covent Garden. <laughs> anyway, and he saw Steve Zahn and he was like texting me because my brother was a huge fan of um, That Thing You Do. Remember yeah. that movie, That Thing You Do? Steve Zahn's in it. It's very funny, isn't it? And he and he knew that I loved him in in uh, Reality Bites, and we're both just a massive fan of Steve Zahn. He's so funny. He's so great. We definitely talked about him as well. He's got this amazing Instagram where he does these adorable dances on his farm in like Oda, Idaho or something oh, with his daughter. It's up. the cutest, Aww. and he's just this legend. He's so funny. Anyway, so my brother saw him, and he was like, oh, "I'm so drunk." But I, Steve's on. I've got to say something to him. Like I have to say something. Can you just give me some lines? And I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to say them to him. Oh God, you have told me this, but I can't remember what the line was. So I gave him several. You know, like you know the Onidas, and um, I gave him several from Reality Bites that he didn't even know. And I was like, definitely go up to Steve's son and say this. What did he pick? <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, he went up a couple of times. Steve Zahn's really, really nice and was like, oh, yeah. Or, or he was like, what movie was that from again? Oh, yeah, I kind of remember. He was like, oh, no, I don't remember that one at all. Good one kind of thing. Okay, my brother went up so many times. <laughs> Eventually, he forced Steve Zahn to tell him to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, not before. Did he actually I, tell him to fuck off? I, yeah. Oh, my God. He was like, dude, seriously, leave me alone. <laughs> My brother was really pissed. I love it. What a great And I kept sending lines so every time he got one. He just went back and say it to him. <laughs> it was really, yeah, probably very obnoxious. So um, <laughs> Steve's amazing. aunt took it for a really long time. Oh. And yeah, 
There's a film I really want to see that I think Steve Zahn's in with Ethan Hawke as well called Blaze. It only came out last year. Like I will watch more. anything Steve Zahn's in. <laughs> like, it's amazing. not on. It's not on Netflix yet. I'm waiting for it. But I think it's about like I don't know, like a country singer. Or something. I'm not sure, but yeah, Blaze. I know. Well, well, what? Find it. I'm trying to think of one of the lines that I definitely told my brother to go and <laughs> tell Steve Zahn in the club. But one of them was probably yeah. With new dry weave, it actually pulls moisture away from your skin. <laughs> you <laughs> might be like, just fuck off and leave me alone. Christ. I can't actually remember many of his lines reality bites. There's lots of great sound bites, but not that many of them come from... What is even his character called? Sammy. Sammy, that's it. Yeah. But he was great in in uh, that thing you do. Like They call themselves the Wonders. Like, I wonder what happened to the Oneidas. <laughs> I think we could be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a joke with a movie, okay. <laughs> or with a That's remember whens. <laughs> okay. Alright, I'm sorry, you may have noticed that I had to um, fast forward arise because uh, I don't like it. Yeah, it do got like a bit, this, however. It got a bit gory in there. So, uh, do you want to talk about Arrested Development or do you want to say you can refer to A in Volume 1? You know, for Arrested Development. I would, but. I feel I speak for all podcasters when I say listening to your first podcast ever is pretty yeah, much the most cringy thing you can do. And the thought that people are finding your podcast <laughs> by listening to that first one, I'm amazed anyone sticks with it. So I just want to extend our apologies because <laughs> ew, cringe. <laughs> yeah, and you had yeah. two on it as well. God, well, Gosh. no, because it's acting baby. It's a really good album. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so... Uh, I didn't write any notes on this because we've already covered it, apart from it's from three years, five months, and two days in the life of. We could take the moment to point out that Andy Dick is also in Reality Bites and plays a particularly skeevy uh, pirate video guy who um, says he's going to make copies and she's like, oh, is this like a pirate he's thing? And he horrible. goes, do I sound like a pirate to you? Do I look like a pirate? <laughs> he keeps doing this weird teeth sucking thing, which is super creepy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, you got anything else? No. Um, in that case love Arrested Development but yeah we did kind of talk we've definitely not talked about social distortion anymore Mm, no anymore before (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you only had like one gin (laughs) what does this remind you I mean this is in your face TV isn't it this is is that intro yeah Um, however uh, it was written uh, in 1990 by Mike Ness and produced by, can you hazard a guess? I don't know. I've already mentioned him. Steve Jordan. <laughs> Is it Steve? <laughs> Bob. Close. You're Robert there. Jordan. Bob Jordan. <laughs> Steve, Bob, come on. Tom, Dick, Dave. <laughs> Beanie. <laughs> Dave. Dave Jordan. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Oh. Temporary so, um, lapse. Yeah, so they, they, I mean, the, the band was formed in 1978 in California, so we're kind of, you know, almost descendants territory. But this was from 1990. And yeah, it's all about looking back on a life wistfully and past loves and. Yeah, I mean, that nostalgia. was the thing, wasn't it, as well? In the 90s, especially the early 90s. The nostalgia for the 70s was strong. Definitely had very 70s influenced clothes. And I can imagine why my parents were like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why are you stealing my youth? And I'm definitely picking up those type of things from um, my own very fashionable stepdaughter who's, you know, 
educating me all the time on what is definitely not said right now and just kind of embarrassing and you know my jeans don't have enough rips so they have too many or something something's happening but chokers are back bitch oh they um, should be buried forever man you know a lot of a lot of our youth is is coming on back i guess the 90s are a thing again it's nice they should be oh my god you know what i bought myself for a tenner in oxfam the other day tenner in oxfam you've already robbed i don't even know what it is yet go ahead hey um my jacket i bought my jacket back you know with the uh with the, the, with the denim jacket with the what do you call it <gasps> shirley shut up oh happy jane had that from from top shop yeah this is a moto, moto one this yes! is a moto one. Oh my god she had that yeah one. I mean, my one was actually a, a, a navy corduroy wrangler, so it's not exactly the nice. same, but yeah. yeah. Which was a bit That's more practical because you wear it with jeans, whereas I can't really pull off double denim. Or, or can you? Well. Or can you? The 90s are coming back. <laughs> yes, you can. Well, maybe next, next we'll be wearing week. non-stretch 501s. Remember that? You'll Remember when you couldn't sit down because your jeans are so fucking tight and that <laughs> shit didn't give? You'll see in my fanny t-shirt and my double denim. <laughs> Um, okay, have I got anything else? No, I mean, it kind of reminds it again, like to throw in some more REM. It sounds nothing yeah. like it, but no, the sentiment, I, I think, is a bit like, you definitely. know, Find the River, where it's the old man looking back on his life, and da da da. Yeah. There's a kind of a peppy indie thing happening too, yeah. I can, I can hear that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, roll on. Roll on, friend. A bit more crowded house. Something so strong. Sounds like the beginning of Golden Girls. Remote. How are we doing for time? We, uh... Thank you for being a friend. Can you hear it? Uh, yeah. Um, oh, now this one's old. 1986 from their debut album. And it was apparently the first song that Neil Finn wrote for Crowded House. Yeah, it has got that kind of... It does sound 80s. But it's still good, though. It is still good, yeah. Crowded House can't do much wrong in my eyes. Neither can the Golden Girls tune, by the way. I mean, I know I'm talking about it. Put that on at any time. I will cry. I feel so emotional every time I hear it. (laughs) Someone was talking about the Golden Girls the other day. I was like, how do you know what that is? Do you know what it is? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's a program about grannies. Bunch of old ladies. How do you know that? (laughs) It's a legend. (laughs) Is it Lily? Good. I don't know. Yeah, that's just hitting me all the way. (laughs) Uh, I got nothing else, have you? Um, nothing about songs. I've got a few more quotes for you. <laughs> no, I mean about this. I've got stuff about other songs. Just no, there's song. no secret handshake. No. There's an IQ prerequisite. Yes. But there's no secret handshake. Oh, good. Snarky. Hey, yeah. All right. So there are lots of songs that Ethan Hawke sings in this, um, but they're not on Spotify. He sings I'm nothing. Do you remember that one? Where he's really... Cr- is that the one where he's really cross? I can't remember. Yeah, that's... In um, the... Yeah. Yeah, in the, in the bar. Oh, hey, that that's my bike. We didn't talk about his band. Oh, hey, that's my bike. And the fact that um, we nearly called our podcast Hey, That's My 90s Podcast. But in instead, honor. we called it Society As Me Giant Podcast. Which is because... Snickers. Troy stole Snickers from the newsstand that he worked in. And Lainey is trying to explain it to, is it Vicky? Where she's basically saying, yeah, because Troy feels that, you know, like society 
owes him a Snickers. Uh, or the establishment, I That's think she it. said. The, the establishment, establishment owes him a Snickers bar or something. Uh, but yeah, so as we were saying, Ethan Hawke sings a lot of stuff on this. Uh, you can't find Spotify, but he does sing at app as well. So this is the Violet Femmes version of it. I mean, they wrote it, as far as I know. He does a very good rip-off version. This of is the one where he's really angry, isn't it? This is the, the one club. where they're in the club, Ben Stiller, he you know, turns Michael, up. And then he dedicates it yeah. to Lainey. Oh, and he's livid, isn't he? Yeah. It's like, he's really mean. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's something we haven't talked about. Like, so, you know, in terms of the actual character, and obviously, you know, watching it the first time round, you know, as a bag of 14 year old hormones, Ethan Hawke was just, you know, Troy was was the one that you need to pick, right? Like, it's a no brainer. Lainey needs to pick Troy. You know, Troy's like, like, dream jerk. Yeah. Absolutely, but he's that a bastard, right. utter bastard. He's got nothing going he's for him. He's just a sarky, you know, misanthrope. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, we I'm, were. I'm still hot for Troy Dyer. We were into it. <laughs> yeah, but looking back at it now, you know, as an old lady, as a golden girl, like, you know, Ben Stiller is... No. No. Uh, but he's the no. sensible option. He's nice. He does everything right. right. I can't but actually believe not he cast like himself him. in that. Can you... I think if he, it would have been interesting to see how someone else would have played it because I think he makes the character much nicer than it was written to be. I think it's written I, I agree to be you, like, yeah. you know, you're not supposed to like him. And, you know, 14 year old, he made it way does more not like him because, yeah. you know, you're not supposed to go for the sleazy record exec. Yeah. But he's not a sleazy record exec. He's a nice record exec. He really yeah. goes out of his way to help her. Yeah. He, he cast his mother in it. Yeah, that's really she's the um, she's the journalist yeah. who um, Lainey can't explain irony to. <laughs> yeah, but his mum oh, in it for and God's how does, sake. How does Troy horrible. explain irony? Like he just he just like when the yeah. actual meaning is the complete opposite to it. Yeah, she's like, "Where are you today?" So clever. And she says, "You're," and he says, "Your bravado is embarrassing." Yes, oh, slap. Yeah. That was one of those lines that stayed in my head for so long and replay it with your providers and Oh, yeah, I, I just love him doing this. It's brilliant. He's such an arsehole. Yeah. Someone basically, I think, to write that script sat down with a teenager and, and basically Troy was birthed from how a teenager makes you feel about an inch tall yes. by their just offhand disdain for your ridiculousness. So we go from the venom of his version of Add It Up to, oh, this is just sweet. Yes. Sweet. So we, I mean, we, do we want to talk about this? Because we have yes. talked about her. Ingy for good housekeeping already. Um, well, um, my husband was um, very impressed at the fact that at University of Brown, Lisa was in a band with Duncan Shake. Who's he? He's uh, just an artist that my husband's really into. <laughs> oh, okay. It's very good, actually. You should check it out if you like Lisa Lobby, like him. Um, and apparently he played guitar in Lisa's later band, Nine Stories. Named after J.D. Salad? Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's one of those books, you know, where people go, of course, that's my favourite book. And you're like, have you read it lately, though? Because it what, makes exactly? loads of sense when you're a teenager. Catching the Rye <laughs> is Troy Dyer. Again, yeah. it's the kind of book that you read when you're 14 and you just think it's the most... You yeah, know, that he is. What's his name in it? Um, uh, oh God, I just had it. Oh shit! Col- 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 oh, Colton Holfield. Yeah. Colton Holfield. And uh, yeah, you totally relate to Colton Holfield. No, Holden Caulfield. Holden. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was 
Yeah, Feeney. <laughs> Steve Jordan. <laughs> I could be Steve Jordan. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, you totally relate to him. Read it again as an adult. Oh my god. Yeah. A whingy little twat. Yeah, you're like fucking grow up, baby. Stop being a fanny. <laughs> A bit like also, it's like, I don't know, we talked about it, so Into the Wild, Eddie Vedder, soundtrack, da da da, that film just bugs me, and the book as well, just bugs me, I don't get it, like, just that character, it just enrages me every time I watch that film, just, <laughs> as a parent, it's just like, no, just as a real brat, like, just, uh. oh yeah, anyway, we, that, we that, digress, we digress, that definitely harks back to when we you know, did the my so-called life thing because I definitely remember watching that the first time around and going, oh my God, Angela's so right. The parents are so annoying. And then you watch it as an older person and you're like, oh my God, the parents are so rational. This child's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I didn't think she was such a nightmare. But the, pa- the just, parents are. You feel the parents. Yeah. Like You're like, they're just looking out for you. Absolutely. Why are you so selfish and blind to that? Like, it's so, I mean, they're being very direct. Yeah. Like, they're really letting you get away with a lot of shit that I feel like my parents definitely didn't let me yeah. get away with. You think, oh, Ryan's parents are really cool, actually. Yeah, like, you look Ryan's back and you're like, do not give a shit. Dereliction of duty to the point of just, just disgrace. Yeah. Absolutely. Ah, uh, oh, Lisa Lowe. I think, didn't she go to, is it Bar- Berkeley? Berkeley? How do you pronounce it? Oh, did she? Oh, I, I thought she went to Brown. Berkeley College of Music and Juliana Hatfield went there too. Maybe I'm or maybe she it's Ber- it's pronounced both. Berkeley, Berkeley in America. Oh, wrong. But in no no in England, same spelling we say Berkeley. Okay. Uh, okay. Another link to last week's Christmas episode. You uh, talked about green jello. Christmas. Yes. And um I don't know when this features in the film either, but apparently it does. But this is Flight of the... Talking about words that I can't pronounce. Scar... Scar Jakarta? I don't know. But this is by Green Jelly off their Serial Killer soundtrack album. Uh, came out in 1993. Ah, the one where they got sued a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's as bad as that Christmas song. So... I like that Christmas song. Oh, it's just awful. (laughs) You like a bit of Green Jelly then? Yeah, no, let's... uh, Ah, okay, so we're back to a bit of Schoolhouse Rock. This one I thought was really interesting, so uh, Winona Ryder sings it on the, uh, on the, on the film a uh, bit of it. But this is when she's, she's uh, plaiting her hair, braiding her hair. Oh yeah, when she's yeah. depressed and jobless and... Yeah. And she's saying this, but I, I thought, like, looking into this song, it's really interesting. So Schoolhouse Rock has a... It's in Schoolhouse Rock, and it's about how the song talks about how a bill becomes law, how it goes through Congress, and how it can be vetoed and stuff. So it's an educational song about, um, yeah, right, the law. Gee, bill. <laughs> there you go. Um, just a bill. Uh, but yeah, this version of it, um, another Linky Linky. This version is by the, okay, it's by the Deluxe with two X's Folk Implosion, who are. The Folk Implosion. So there's another link there to your Lou Barlow and Dinosaur Jr. Fantastic. Full circle. Um, that's all I got. All right. Have I missed any songs out? Well, of course, World Party. We probably should mention. But yeah. Not on Spotify. So love bit of World Party, aka Carl Wallinger. But it seems like it's impossible to get. I don't know why it wasn't on the soundtrack. It should have been. 
Yeah, there were two. Weren't there? The one at the gas station. Oh, the gas station tune. I used to, I used to run that back and replay it just for the tune. It, it's a really, it's great piece of music, and you can't get it anywhere. Yeah, Super no, annoying. it's uh, it's really sad. What's the um... one day I'm going to track down Carl Wallinger. I'm going to grab him because it's just him, Ask isn't him why it? Why the hell not? And is he like he's yeah, Welsh? It's I him. think he is Welsh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was in the Water Boys. Oh, I've got another link actually. So, um, yeah, so it's just him, but obviously he's had people playing with it. Yeah. And from 1990 to 97, he had Chris Sharrock on drums. Now, Chris Sharrock is from Merseyside, Bevington in Merseyside. Um, <gasps> That's where my mum grew up. Really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, but he was also a member of other bands, including the Ice Coolers, the Lars, the Wild Swans, the Lightning Seeds, Robbie Williams' live band, Oasis. And Leo Gallagher's BDI, um, and he is currently in Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. So there you go, Linky Linky. Really? He's in BDI. Yeah. He wasn't. I don't know if he's still in BDI, but he is in the High Flying Birds. Yeah, but our friend, the pianist uh, Matt, toured with BDI. Ah, so they may know each other. They may. And then you are also a fan of Steely Dan, aren't you? Love Steely Dan. Yeah. At 2007, World Party supported Steely Dan on their first tour of Australia. Uh, and then a couple of years later, they toured the west coast of the US and they appeared at Seattle's Bumbershoot Festival, um, along with the likes of Sheryl Crow, Modest Mouse, who you've talked about before, yes. and Mark Lanigan, who we've talked about. Lanigan. Many times. He's got a new book out. <clears throat> he has. <laughs> Have you read the first one yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's such a shame, you'll love it. Okay, well, I think we've, I think we've been there and back again. Quite literally, with Reality Bites. Um, just one of those things where it was one of our fave movies in the 90s and we just kept watching it. We're still massive fans. Um, Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder. I just watched Stranger Things with the kids. Yes, uh, I saw your son today and he says that he's uh, um, uh, going to be watching Stranger Things and that my son needs to watch it as well. So I might have to rewatch Stranger Things, which will be fun. We've been rewatching it so good. <gasps> And it is yeah, so good. Good old because you don't see her in that much stuff anymore. And she, no, true. She plays quite a similar. You know, she she does sort of angsty and anxious yeah. very very well in it, and slightly yeah. unhinged. There's a new a series way. of Stranger Things coming out soon as well, isn't there? I don't know. I think, I think yeah, there's three sure. series now. The okay, latest so one of which features Maya Hawke. Yes, 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 so yes. Completely yes. topical. Yeah. And completely relevant. As, as of course, we do try. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's... I think that's it. Yep. Yeah, I've got Renee Zellweger in my notes. Um, oh, yeah, she was in it. <laughs> yeah, because she's one of the one of the notches. She's one of Troy's, yes. and he throws the phone she, number away. Yeah, she gives him the number, and I think it says Tammy, actually. And he, uh, he's Tammy, like, right. yeah, okay, bye. And then he's like... He's such a bastard. He doesn't even wait until he's down the stairs to throw it away. Like, she could have well seen that. He's such a bastard. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. That's all I got. Well. It's good, to, it's good to be back next time. It's going to be the New Year. Ooh, ooh. So, this is coming out on New Year's Eve. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Last pot of 2021. Thanks Goodbye. for sticking with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apologies for last week. But, uh, yeah. Business as usual now, isn't it? 
Yeah, let's hope so. From, yeah. from now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had COVID now. We're good now. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else is going to happen. Nothing bad's going to happen <laughs> Whoa, now. touch all the words. Yes. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh. <laughs> all right. Um, one last thing. We've had another amazing message on uh, our Anchor homepage. Please find us there. Leave us a message. We love it. It's so much fun. This one comes from uh, one of our mutually fave podcasts um so we'll just we'll just say that and uh we'll leave it there we'll catch you next time you can find us on facebook society of media Genetics podcast instagram society of media Genetics podcast uh twitter same gsp and uh yes anchor fm email us suggestions if you want us to cover something we're all ears um and that's at gmail.com and yeah thanks so much until next year Until next year, bye-bye.